Hello, I'm Craig Constantine. Today I'm talking to Andy Day. Welcome, Andy. Great to see you. Good evening. You're waving. That's awesome. Uh, every once in a while, I have a guest who freezes, not not Zoom freezes, but literally freezes. And I'm like, say something back. Yes, I have this habit of doing the, I do like, I try to do the Queen's wave. Nice. <laughs> nice. It's classy. It's classy. Yes, I think so. Um, so I always have the same problem with everybody because I'm stupidly excited and curious and I like to talk to people. I always have a million things. Um, but there's some backstory, like, so a couple of moons ago, you and I actually sat down and had a really great conversation for like an hour and a half of which I recorded the first seven minutes before I bonehead screwed up and got none of it. And before that I had the distinct pleasure, I would even say the, the rare privilege of literally chasing you through, is that like North central Western London, central London, the square central mile London, pretty much yeah, chasing you through central London, because I knew you'd like texted me from a bar, like, I'm leaving a pub or whatever, I have my cup of tea. And then I tried to find you. So you kept like, oh, I'm over here. And, I'm, and I was just like following you up city streets. And you were out. Um, I don't know how you describe what you were doing. I don't it, was, it was street photography. So I'd walked from Blaine and Shirley's apartment. And I'd walked all the way across London, probably took me an hour, hour and a half or something, just slowly meandering. And I had my camera with me. It's not something I get chance to do very often, certainly now. Mm. Um, and yeah, I was just seeing what I could find and just shooting stuff on the street. Um, and that's fun to do every now and then. I'd you get love... to look at the world, look at the world a little bit differently and just try and make the most of chance encounters. I love getting the chance. And I think a lot of people would relate to this in movement context, but I love getting a chance to tag along in any context. I have you know, friends who are like really well-known woodworkers and they're like, yeah, I'm scooting around with this. I'm like, oh, I would very much like to be the fly on the wall while you're doing whatever the process is. And you and I have talked previously about, um, your words were how photography is how you found parkour. It's the lens, no pun intended, through which you found parkour and vice versa. Parkour is how you found photography. And I'm, I'm just wondering how, if, if at all, how you are, photography like finding those cityscapes or the things that you're capturing when you're walking how has that evolved like were you doing that in the very beginning or has your no not not, not at all not at <clears throat> all I, I had very little to do with photography i you know i'd got a camera uh, that i barely used when i found out about parkour we're going all the way back to 2003 and i was researching uh parkour i just discovered what it was which mm. uh, back then was pretty vague even more vague than it is now and uh <laughs> that's, getting that's more not vague. There. and um uh yeah to, as part of my research i just thought well i'll take the camera with me mm. and i really enjoyed taking the photographs i shared them afterwards and people really liked them and it snowballed from there so yeah my first real experience of going out and really thinking right i'm going to take photographs was of parkour mm. and my first experience of parkour was i'm here to research it and I'm going to take photographs. And there was a kind of, I guess, a symbiosis, like one really informs my understanding of the other. And it certainly did back then. And it, it's evolved hugely. You know, I, I, I can't remember the last time I took a photograph parkour uh, because of the pandemic and, you know, reduced opportunities to travel. It was probably, it would have been last August at Gelo uh, documenting the uh, international gathering. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's changed a lot in that time. Um, like, uh, and I, uh, something that's quite fun to mention is that I got good at 
photography to a point where I thought, it's the beautiful, the arrogance of youth. I, I thought I knew enough that I didn't need to know anymore. And then <laughs> things change and you go, oh, oh, I don't know anything. Mm. Ah, and that's a really nice uh, experience. And, and you go through that, I think, a couple of times during your life. And uh, yeah, still, and, and that was really useful, actually, just to realize that I, I don't know anything about photography. And yeah, this beautiful arrogance just went away, hopefully. Yeah, there's a, uh, in my mind, I'm picturing a pyramid, like in the beginning, um, when you're a novice, you don't, you don't know anything. And you're just like, it's, it's all just questions and discovery. And then you arrive at a point where you begin to realize the principles and the fundamental parts of whatever mastery practice we're talking about, photography, parkour, climbing. Um, and then, and then the, like a lot of the complexity falls away, but then the newfound or, or the new to you found simplicity opens up again to like, oh, well, yeah. So there's, there's that, when, when that happens, when you find that experience happening, you're like, oh, okay, this is, this is a good thing for me to be working on because that's available. And mm. I'm, uh, 11,000 things we could talk about. You did, or are still doing, cause it's not done yet. Hurry up. Your project that you, the photography project that you did in Serbia and Croatia, was it in both? Yeah. So I did this in a couple of countries across, uh, former Yugoslavia and, uh, it's kind of still ongoing. So we did the first series of adventures, uh, of which there were three. So I did a, Back in 2015, I went and spent four or five days in Croatia and then four or five days in Serbia. And then 2017, I went back to Serbia and did another massive road trip um, and working with athletes from the region. So the mm -hmm. first trip was with Mirko and a couple of his friends in Zagreb. The second trip was with Boki and a couple of his friends out uh, starting off in Belgrade. And then the third trip more recently was with Sasha of Scotchipsticks. And we did a big road trip in his uh, Subaru. And um, yeah, there's still a lot of the region that we want to go and explore. And Sasha is keen to go and I'm keen to go. It's just a case of the world calming down a little bit, which yeah. <laughs> by all accounts, it's not doing. But um, why do you say that the project is wait. not done? Like what's, what's the thing that keeps you from so, like, putting it to sleep? Uh, I mean, I can talk about the project continuously for an hour and I have presented <laughs> the work continuously for an hour and this is not the platform for that, but this was photographing um, war monuments from mm -hmm. for you, former Yugoslavia that were built under the regime of Marshal Tito. And they are very contentious structures and they are a reflection and a manifestation of the ongoing friction between a lot of these different countries. And photographing parkour in these spaces was giving these monuments kind of new narratives and um, demonstrating that beyond uh, the the history there is the potential to make something new yeah. that brings people together and that's one of the for me one of the really important things about parkour is its opportunity to bring people together to overcome barriers you know borders become pretty much meaningless mm. um and you know as a result of that i th think one of the things i'm proudest of as well as using those photographs to teach italian <laughs> youth uh, some young teenagers in italy about um 
the history of fascist monuments was also to have a photograph of a Serbian parkour practitioner doing parkour on a Croatian monument, well, it's in Croatia, that hung briefly, but did hang there. It hung on the wall of the Croatian embassy in London. Hmm. And I'm not sure the Croatian embassy realized that it was a Serbian athlete. Mover, but, you know, right. It doesn't matter. So, yeah, the, the, the project isn't complete because there are still monuments that we haven't been to, and there's a lot of them, and they are incredible, incredible structures, and they're varying in size, um, in scale, uh, and, in, and in ambition, and also in status as well. So some are maintained and guarded almost. Uh, others have been destroyed uh, because they represent an ideology that people uh, of that particular region object to. Um and it's very complicated, and like I say, I, I don't want to talk about it in a huge <laughs> amount of detail. I've written a lot about it. I've written a number of articles uh, for Scott Chipsticks and I'm on my own website, and I wrote a master's thesis about it as well. Where's your and website? Uh, AndyDay.com. And, and is you your master's to... thesis published? No, it's not, but there is a series, I think, of about nine articles with all of the photographs that describe our journey, what that journey meant and what we found along the way. Freaking um, awesome. Yeah, um, well, here's so. a, here's a, that, that's great. Like, whoa, yes, awesome. Thanks for, thanks for joining me, Andy, bye. Now, what I, another, like, while we're doing, oh, that's easy. While we're doing really easy topics, you and I had a conversation, it was like three years ago, <laughs> a conversation yeah. about, and I think you've written about this elsewhere too, about how being, and the people are, who are listening, we are both like, you know, middle-aged, middle-income white guys. Easy, right. easy. I'll easy. go with middle-income, middle-aged. Um, okay, all right, what do you want? <laughs> Get on with it. ask your birthday. Yeah. But you had talked, and I'm pretty sure it was with me, but I might've just read all this. You had talked about how the camera acts as a, uh, enabler is the wrong word, but like if you get caught on a roof in London between the clothes that you're wearing, because you can afford to dress a little, you know, like a certain way and, and the color of your skin and the fact that you're carrying a thousand dollar camera, you get a pass, you get like, you get treated differently. Yeah. And we had talked a little bit about like, what responsibilities do we have? So like, do I have a responsibility because I can wander into suburbs of paris and you know go places because they just like oh yeah whatever okay it's that's the guy from america we'll just put up with him like do i have a responsibility to do something with that or is it my responsibility to to uh, i always say get off the stage and make space for other people so instead of me being the one that got in trouble but got away with it get out of there completely so that somebody else has the chance to have the experience even though they risk getting in trouble and not getting away with it like what are your thoughts on that the balance of responsibility um versus entitlement or yeah it, it is entitlement it is it is privilege as well and privilege, parkour, privilege responsibility yeah, versus parkour, privilege i couldn't find the word <laughs> yeah, parkour and photography are, are parallel in that sense that they are both um you know the the domain of white middle class uh, affluent men, able bodied men for the most part, and uh, yeah, there's a degree of diversity, um, and I think it's important that we have an increasing awareness of what privilege we carry with us when we are taking advantage of 
our level of access. You know, as you say, if you're a white middle-class guy on a private rooftop and you've got a camera, yeah, you, you're not going to get into too much trouble. But if you're the wrong race or, you know, wearing the wrong clothing and you don't have that camera, the response can be very, very different. So, yeah, it, like I say, it, I've tried to write and, I mean, I'm... <laughs> Again, I'm not the best person to educate people about this, but being within the system and being quite representative of it uh, over the years as well, particularly. Um, but uh, just create an awareness of what we carry with us, um, especially you know, having an awareness generally of, of how our behavior and conduct affects others as well. I, I find sometimes that I can, in it, I was going to say I can inadvertently come across like as a chilling f factor like if if something is going on and people aren't like you know maybe somebody's um i have i don't jump from rooftop to rooftop but let's say that type of scenario is going on where people are pushing the boundaries of what's probably going to be acceptable and we probably shouldn't be doing this for more than another 10 minutes before we move on like one of those one of those instances i find that often i'm physically not able to do whatever's going on so i wind up like as a bystander and i feel like my presence i i like I become a representative of the oppression, even though I, I like, like, no, I'm, I'm like with, and not that anybody else, no third party show up. It's just like me and the other people. But I feel like, I feel like I should slink away because I'm not able to really engage with the activity. And that for me is always like, it always bothers me because I feel like I should be able to just stand there and be like, shit, that's awesome. Like, <laughs> and not have to also be aware of but i bring baggage like my presence just in and of itself brings brings baggage and echoes of the larger uh, zeitgeist if you want to throw big words around craig um so i'm wondering do you find let's get specific and actually ask something that has a question mark on the end do you find that that happens to you when you're like so if you're the guy with the camera the athletes don't like look down on you because you're not moving. You're like, yeah, he's taking pictures. But do you find that you sometimes get meta, you're holding the camera and you realize that, you know, this might actually be better for them if I literally wasn't here at all? Like, do you ever have those? No, I don't, I don't think I've experienced that. I think what, um, what's been important for my position in terms of what I've able, been able to do in terms of documenting and then working on projects is that I've always felt very much a part of the community. And it's interesting because I, I, I recently started mentoring a, a, a young photographer um, who's taking photographs of parkour. And I see the, looking at his work, you know, there's lots of people in the frame. And I look at my work kind of from the middle to the late period and there's very few people a lot of the time uh, unless it's an event and he's not an event he's just out with people he knows hmm. having a great time and he's got his camera and his level of access i don't have that anymore to that because there's a starting to be a generational divide i have it to a degree uh, and you know i can talk to someone who's 20 years younger than me on a fairly fairly similar level we know the same people we do, do fairly similar yeah, you things. speak the same we, yeah we speak the same language we to a degree uh, <laughs> there's some <laughs> words that just don't come out of my mouth in the same way obviously as a 20 year old but what I was trying to say is that um, I could see from his photographs that he is 
he is completely immersed in that community. And that's that was the real beauty of his images. And that took me back to 2003. And I hope people can see that in, in my images from that time is that, you know, there wasn't, there's a beautiful naivety uh, to the photographs uh, that, that this, this, this young guy was showing me. And, and I don't mean that in a patronizing way at all, but he's obviously in a, almost in exactly the same stage of like, okay, I'm, I'm doing this thing. This is amazing. The, the guys around me are just incredible. And I've got to document it. And yeah. you can see in the movement, you can see in the way that people are standing in the background and watching, it is not like he is there with a camera. And that's one of the beautiful things about parkour. It's not like the camera appears and interrupts what is happening. It is a part of the process, media making, uh, you know, this performing, creating this spectacle. And that makes it sound incredibly narcissistic. And, it, and it's very slightly it is, but to a huge degree, it isn't. Um, it's a part of what we do, the image making. Uh, it's a part, you know, that image making is a part of how we construct an identity. Yeah. You look at those photographs, you watch those videos, and you're either replicating something or you are aspiring to something, and it works on a, you know, kind of a subconscious level. And yeah, that, uh, hopefully, uh, um, yeah, that you can see that in my early work as well of just this energy and yeah, seeing it in this, this young photographer's work was really beautiful, actually. Awesome. I was going to say, I like your use of the word aspiring because as much as I dislike, like if I scroll through Instagram and all the videos, they all have the same start. Like I, I see the static athlete about to do the run up, like they just all look the same to me these days. Mm. But I know as everybody does, I know how hard they worked to get that one cut that we're seeing, you know, in that it's not a show reel, but like that one that they're, that they kept. Um, and it does provide one with like, all right, I want to get, I want to capture this. So to capture it, I have to be able to do it. And then I have to figure out how to get somebody to shoot it or I have to set it up myself. And as much as yes, it can be narcissistic. It you're right in that it also forces us, whoever, whichever of us has a camera is trying to capture ourselves. It forces us to like aspire to, well, what would a great move be? How would yeah. I make this be great? It's easy to be cynical about representation, but you know we we form an identity. We come to consciousness in how we represent ourselves, and you know to to a degree the the parkour photographer is facilitating a self portrait a lot of the time. You're there to work with an athlete to allow them to create an image of themselves, and yeah, it's it's. It's a mean, it doesn't mean it's narcissistic. It is a means of validating the effort that you put into something. Yeah. And it's a yeah. way of fixing the satisfaction you get from doing it. It's a way yeah. of encapsulating it. It's not like a medal. It's just a way of it's a snapshot. removing it's a time. from within you. It's, it's like taking it from inside of you and putting it outside and having it there. You can look on yourself. And that gives you, like you being able to look at yourself gives you a very strong sense of who you are what your values are, who you connect with, where you are, all of these things. So, yeah, for me, that's that's what. <laughs> again, can you can you tell I've I've got a <laughs> got a degree in sociology and media. <laughs> cool. So I get um, kind of passionate about that stuff. So well, there's uh, nothing wrong with that. I I totally I'm I get passionate, but a lot of times I feel like I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. So I I tend to uh, the old Craig of many decades ago didn't do this, but the new Craig goes. 
just, you know, shuts up. Like I, I, my, my ears come on and I'm like, how do I make a space? So more of this thing that's exciting me happens. Um, cool. Uh, I know this is gonna be a surprise, but it's, it's coming up on 20 minutes. Um, as much as I would love to keep talking forever, I try mm-hmm. to keep this particular show bite-sized so people can get the thing down. I'm hoping that everybody listening is slapping their headphones off their head or yanking their earbuds out and running to their computer to go read what you've written. There's a lot more to dig into about just these two topics that we touched on ever so briefly. So thank you very much for, I think you did a spectacular job of packing that in. Thank you. So I will just say, and of course, the final question, three words to describe your practice. Okay. Well, before I do that, I would be criminal not to mention that my wife, Zofia, has a book coming out in uh, May and June uh, about the cultural history of climbing. So that's Ooh. one of my first words. Well, you can be freebie. Just tell me the book. name of the book, and then you can use your words for, use your own words for your thing. But what's the name of the book? We, the provisional title is Born to Climb, and mm-hmm. we're checking permission with a certain author that he's had. Not that he's got rights to it, but... Uh, but yeah, it, it, and it's not an homage to, to his work, but it's similar. So, uh, <laughs> doing yeah, the we're, polite ex- we're excited about that. Yeah. Do you exactly. have a domain name for it, or is it just uh, how, how do you spell your last name? Uh, Zofia's surname is Rake, which is R E Y C H. And no, there is no wow, we should probably go and register the dot com right now. If you're listening to this, do not go and do not go and register. You have, the, you have eight minutes. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> done to go to hover.com no. all right but anyway um you can it's still right, use three words. words if you want so yeah. three words to describe uh, well, your practice awkward to define oh that's a good answer also i've yeah. never had somebody but the say, thing the thing and, and the reason is is that i i'm both within and without the community like i, I i'm not a regular practitioner anymore but it's still very much a part of who i am yeah. Um, and also I've never been, you know, I have trained and, uh, I still train a little bit, you know, I've still got my own movement practice, but, uh, I'm kind of separate, but also a part of this community, which is kind of a useful distance to be a participant observer. You're still a participant, but you can step back and be an observer. And it yeah. gives me kind of a, a critical distance as well, which hopefully allows me to offer constructive, not just cynical criticisms um all the time but also if you know if, if three words to describe my practice i don't really think of myself as having a practice mm-hmm. um as such um it's it's evolving it's fluid it's indistinct it's nondescript it's yeah a lot of different things i think that's but, a great uh, answer that's, that's a great okay answer. good good oh thank god for I've that heard, that's the hardest heard a question i've heard a couple answers to the question i like it that's a really good answer <laughs> I, I may use that one as an example all right cool um Andy, as i said before we started recording while we we're recording it's a pleasure uh to talk to you just any old time definitely want to hang out and do some more buildering which we didn't talk about and all that oh, good yeah. stuff but thank you so much for joining me this evening it's been an absolute pleasure thank you craig